We are SC pregame podcast, Arizona State edition. Uh, USC and ASU on Saturday night, 745 ESPN. And uh, all of a sudden, this game has turned into uh, a very big game for the Trojans. Uh, Not only individually for this season, but kind of for the program right now. Uh, Coming off of a loss last week that has resonated with a lot of people in the Trojan family, uh, 49-14 against uh, Notre Dame. And uh, it was a game where Notre Dame ran for 377 yards and USC ran for 76. And so that means in terms of uh, physical football, line of scrimmage football, uh, that game went to the Irish in a big way. And it has resonated with a lot of people, uh, former players. And uh, there's a big spotlight right now on the Trojans in terms of, okay, where do you go from here and how do you go from here? What style of football are you playing? And uh, Clay Helton is certainly the man in in the middle of all that. So uh, his Trojans need to rebound, and they are finding an ASU team that is playing with a lot of momentum right now. Uh, The last two weeks in particular, uh, handily beating both Washington and Utah, two of the better teams uh, in the Pac-12. And so they have a lot of momentum on their side, specifically on the defensive side of the football. And all of a sudden right now you're looking at a game this Saturday that is uh, an elimination game for USC and ASU in terms of going toward the uh, conference title game. So let's talk about the Sun Devils right now. Uh, their defense has changed in, in the last couple of games. We'll hear from John Major uh, later on in the podcast some of the specific things they've done. But uh, early on in the part of the season, they were giving up big-time numbers. You know, 549 yards to New Mexico State in the opener, 615 to Texas Tech. Uh Bryce Love up at uh, Stanford ran for a school record 301 yards against them, and so they changed things around during a bye week. And uh, since then, uh, they held Washington to 230 yards, held Utah to 265 yards. They've only given up a total of two touchdowns in those two games combined, and they have limited no plays over 25 yards, only two plays of 20 yards or more. And so Phil Bennett is a new defensive coordinator, came over from Baylor. Obviously, he has found a formula that is working for them in recent games. Uh, some of the names that we're going to see on the other side of the field uh christian sam and then three guys who uh there was a lot of trojan interest two of them were commits at one point linebacker dj calhoun defensive tackle tayshawn smallwood and defensive lineman jojo wicker from long beach poly so uh familiar names all to fans of usc recruiting and so this matchup will be interesting to see the usc offense how they match up against the sun devil defense again john major will break that down later in the podcast looking at the sun devil offense things are different this year they have a new coordinator uh, coming over from uh, Alabama, the wide receiver coach. And so now he is in charge of uh, Billy Napier, in charge of the Sun Devil offense. We're seeing a lot more balance this year uh, than maybe they were a, a pass-first team in recent years. But they've got two senior tailbacks that uh, USC fans have seen a lot of over the years, Demario Richard and Kalen Balage. Uh, they're hard-running backs. They're, they're going to come downhill. And uh, they're building momentum right now in, in recent weeks. They're a confident football team in what they're doing running the football. Uh, Manny Wilkins, their quarterback, Uh, a true dual threat who has been very efficient this year throwing the football and then his primary target is a guy that uh, USC USC recruiting fans will remember Nikhil Harry uh, from that area a big time target uh, from a couple of months back for a couple years back excuse me so uh, one one note from practice this week uh, just in terms of the punt return role uh, Jackie Jones looks like he is installed in that role right now he was taking the majority of the punts and uh, Wednesday he was there basically until the lights went out uh, taking punts 
hunts off the jugs machine. So uh, that's our report here. We'll see what happens this uh, starting this weekend. Clay Helton has talked a lot about wanting his team to peak as he is heading into November. Instead, he is going to need a big turnaround to get things going. How does your team respond? Uh, it was a correct the mistakes attitude in practice this week rather than lighting a fire on it. We will see what the results show on Saturday. Okay, coming up in the podcast, myself, Johnny Curran, and Del Rideau talk about key items from practice this week. And then again, former USC quarterback John Major talking about USC offense versus Sun Devil defense and former USC linebacker Kevin Bruce giving his defensively speaking perspective on USC defense versus Sun Devil offense. This week in USC football, Johnny Curran, get us started with uh, the top top topic on your list for the game on Saturday. Oh, for me, I was paying uh, special attention to that defensive front again uh, this week during practice, uh, particularly with another uh, rushing team coming in. There's going to be another big test. Um, unfortunately, you know Josh Fatu still not out here at practice. So uh, again, we saw a heavy dose of uh, Brandon Peely and Liam Jimmins at that nose spot. A lot of Malik Dorton rotating uh, in on that defensive line with Rasheem Green. So obviously, you know, it'll it's, it's another big test for those guys. We'll see if they can respond better this week. Also, today over at that Predators spot, it was interesting when uh, Christian Rector went out with a hand injury, left practice. D really don't know anything about the injury at all, but um, like Helton said, it's never a good thing when you have to leave practice. So we'll keep a close eye there. See if uh, also kind of injury update over there at that Predator spot. Helton with Gustin wouldn't rule him out, but uh, also doesn't necessarily sound so promising. It, um, one interesting development we saw practice was uh, Jordan Iosefa rotating in out there at that Predator spot uh, for the last couple periods. So that's something we could possibly see this weekend. So um, a lot of moving parts there, and like I said again, it's it's a, you know that group's going to be tested again this week. That defensive front. And uh, a lot of moving parts. We'll, it'll, it's going to be interesting to see if they fare any better this week, if we see a, a new energy there or anything like that. But no, another big test there. I'm going to kind of uh, go on one of those words you just used right there, Johnny, and that's energy. Uh, not so much an X's and O's thing for me this week. It's how is this team responding uh, C c coming off a rivalry game against Notre Dame where uh, it, it just really had a lot of people scratching their heads. And so what kind of fire and passion are you coming back with? Daryl, I want to talk about one thing, and that, that was the Tuesday practice. You talked to so many former players. And so what would the practice have been like the first practice after a game like that? And to, to a man, it was, oh, the coaches would have lit us up. And that just isn't what we see from this team at the Tuesday practice. And in fact, they were not in full pads, and it was a general business-like atmosphere. We talked about that last year, the business-like atmosphere practice, something that worked for that team. But it's interesting to see it applied to this team, which is so much younger right now. Yeah, and, and it is interesting because if you're Clay Hilton, you're, you're trying to capture success in a bottle and try to manufacture that for a new year. Well, guess what? This is not the same team that you brought to the to the games week in and week out last season. This is a, a season where your team appears to be getting younger with each week. As your veterans start to get more injuries and you're starting to rotate in younger guys, you have to train them on how to react and how to respond. And the best way to do that sometimes is to light a fire and to reignite energy into practice by getting back to the fundamentals, the basics, the attention to details. Now, there is no... There is no 
a magic elixir. The only way that you can prepare for physical battle is to be physical in practice so that you can simulate those type of situations that you can't do in helmets and shoulder pads. When you're wearing shorts, you cannot get that same type of intensity. That's where I thought that this coaching staff this week missed the mark. Under Pete Carroll, it wouldn't have taken Coach Carroll and, and that coaching staff, uh, uh, the, the likes of an Ed Ogeron, to light a fire underneath us too long because players would have gotten chippy because we would have felt disrespected losing to a rival team like Notre Dame. And then knowing that we left that type of footage for another team to see and to try to exploit those same weaknesses, there has to be pride. And that pride would, would have started on Tuesday and, and, and then transitioned over on the Wednesday, Gary. And one of the things that uh, Coach Helton said was he said there was a reason for being in uh, right. in shorts yesterday. He said, hey, this is what we usually do at this point of the season because we do not have a bye week, because we, you get banged up. So we try to taper it down in the last month of the season. I get that. But still, it that to me is going to be one of the biggest things to watch. Whatever the methods are, uh, you're going to get your answer on Saturday night because you know 745 game time, ASU is going to be ready uh, for this one. So I think that preparation, like you said, Daryl, this is the route that Coach Helton has taken right uh, let's see how the results show up on Saturday because this this is the team like you say there are no Ed Orgeron's on the coaching staff and really among the team veterans the team leaders it's not a very fiery group this is a very you if you want to call it workman like I call it casual this is the casual stroll into the office type of group. This is not one of those type of teams that, that has that, that bastard, that one guy that who Brian is Cushion. that Brian Cushion, who is an intimidator. And you need at least one or two of those guys who act as the enforcer. So when you don't have that, and this team tends to take on the personality of your coaching staff, then sometimes it takes the coaches to mix up the rhythm of practice. Because if, if you're looking for change, then it needs to start with the ripple in the water to create that wave effect. And oftentimes, just like Coach Helton did last season when he changed the dynamics of how the team prepared, going with that workmanlike attitude, you must also recognize the age of your team, the fact that they need sometimes for you to manufacture that type of emotion so that they can feel the embarrassment and play with pride. That's the only thing that this team is lacking. This is still the same team that that uh, that showed us um, hero heroic efforts in second half games, but we're all still waiting for them to play that complete game. And the only way that I think that they can do that is to play with pride because they're embarrassed. So therefore, they come to practice, come to work with a new sense of purpose. Uh, John Major, uh, want to talk USC offense versus ASU defense, but want to kind of. Uh Preface it by going back to what happened at Notre Dame uh, with the way that a couple of miscues got uh, kind of SC off their stride early, if you will, and talk about the impact they, that had on them maybe leaving the run game a little earlier than they had planned on doing. Well, I think so, Gary. You know, being there, I, I went to the game, so being there, you, you know, you're in that atmosphere. You can't see the replays that you can see so much on TV and whatnot, and you, you. But you can kind of feel the momentum better when you're at a game. You can kind of feel the shift. You can kind of feel us maybe getting a little concerned maybe too early. But we got down 14 nothing so quickly in the game. And then, you know, the way to start our first offensive series with a, with a snap that was, a, you know, a, a shotgun snap that was fumbled and, then, and recovered by them. And then just – just you know the ball, the deep ball to Stephen Mitchell, which really would have been a great play for us. He was wide open, 
and whether he adjust needed to adjust to it better or whether Sanding get it out there. I mean, probably a little bit of both. But um, and then the missed field goal, you know, a short missed field goal. So when it was fourteen nothing, it would have been fourteen three. Get some points on the board. So I think that that we didn't really have a chance to establish the run game early and stay with it and stay committed to it. And we kind of went away playing catch up earlier than we probably needed to or had done all year. So that's probably affected us staying in the flow of trying to make something work on the ground. And so I want to talk about that heading into ASU. Before we talk about what their defense has done lately, which is truly impressive, I just want to talk about the need to get the SC run game going. How do things match up against the ASU rushing defense in their front seven? Well, I, I think in the front they're going to play similar to what Notre Dame did. And if you look at uh, Arizona State, it's kind of been a, a, a two-headed monster this year, if you will, on defense they, or a heckle and jive. Uh, Jekyll and Hyde, sorry. Um, they, they started the season blitz happy, and they've kind of gone away from that the last couple of weeks. So you really don't have to worry about the safety coming up, uh, a safety coming up and, and jamming the line or a corner off the, the short end of the field from the boundary to blow up your run game. It's really um, going against their front. And their linebackers are nowhere near as talented as Notre Dame, and they play a little softer. Um, so they're not going to feel the holes as great. Their front four is actually okay. They jam it up pretty well, but their linebackers don't feel anywhere near like Notre Dame did. So I think there's the opportunity for success there in the run game. The one thing I do would like to see is bring back the screen game. I mean, I saw some plays that Washington ran against Arizona State, one being a reverse where the lineman got out in front and they probably had three blocks on corners on, on defensive backs that wanted no part of linemen coming downfield at them. And that's what a screen is. It gets linemen out in front blocking DBs. And if you can employ that this week, I think you'll have a lot of success. That call, that play went for 50 yards and a touchdown, but it was called back because of a penalty on the other side of the line of scrimmage. But I think that, that Seeing that play and seeing how those guys just ducked and wanted no part of linemen coming at them, I think screens could be a huge play for us this week. And that's almost like a run. So you set those up to be basically run plays, get it to, get it to Rojo, and let him make plays. I'm fine with getting it to any of our running backs. I think all of our running backs they can catch well. Yeah, yeah. But I especially, I don't think we're going to see Carr this weekend, unfortunately. Um, John, I want you to explain a little bit what you were talking about with uh, the, the way that the Sun Devils' defense has kind of turned things around in, in recent weeks and not pressuring so much. They, they did that, you we were talking about, to prevent the big plays that they were experiencing early on in the season. Yeah, I think they were leading the country and giving up big plays, 30, 40, 50-yard plays. And at that time, Probably their first, well, before they, up until they played Washington two weeks ago. So their first four or five games were, um, they were blitz happy and they were sending guys from all over the secondary at all different points in the game or any, any down and distance really and just, just really being very aggressive. And I think what got Washington by surprise was they went away from that. And they didn't. I didn't see one secondary blitz the entire game. They went zone. They went four-man rush, uh, five, eight underneath sometimes with a three-man rush, two deep. Played zone behind it, and it really confused Browning. He he just he didn't he couldn't do the things he thought he was going to be able to do. And I think they worked a lot on man cuts during the week 
against a man coverage, and they went zone on him, and they weren't prepared for it. And they spent a lot of time probably trying to pick up blitzes and on blitz pack, package protection during the week. And here they come out on a Saturday, and they're not seeing any of that. So that really that really surprised them. Um, they were they were I think before Washington they had given up 11 games of 30 or more points. So they they switched in their in their really their philosophy, which is hard to do mid season. But they have a new defensive coordinator, Phil Bennett, who came over from uh, Baylor, and he ran that type of defense over there. But I think because they were having some struggles, uh, Todd Graham, who had been calling the defense as a head coach for the first four years, probably said, hey, we got to do something here to just stabilize this thing and keep the ball in front of us, not give up these big plays and give our offense a chance. So that's that's what we're going to see. I don't suspect they're going to go back to the blitz package after they had success the last two weeks against Washington and Utah playing more of a base look and not being as as aggressive. Yeah, uh, the last two games, no plays over 25 yards, only two plays over 20 yards, and only two touchdowns combined in the last two games. Definitely a, a noticeable change. Thanks, John, for your time. Let's have a good one on Saturday. Okay, Gary, fight on. Kevin Bruce. Uh, Kevin, there's no uh, – there's no sugarcoating this one uh, for the USC defense coming up on Saturday against ASU. You just gave up 377 rushing yards, and you're facing a Pac-12 team that is playing with confidence on the offensive side of the football, particularly running the ball. Uh, absolutely right, and frankly, the 377 yards given up uh, against Notre Dame in South Bend could have been a lot more. Uh, they just took the foot out the gas pedal. And so it could have been a lot worse. I've seen some some really bad defensive uh, performances, um, but the physicality uh, along the line in the box, along the line of scrimmage, and also you know that second uh, second level was was just to say it is lacking would understate the the, the issues, but that's okay for now. Um, this is a clearly for us a watershed game. This is one where guys look. Um, Last week was embarrassing with a capital E. Uh, this week is, uh, yeah, we, quote, control our destiny. We control our ability to show up and play. What you really need to dial into is going out and playing. And what uh, the team needs to deliver onto the field <clears throat> is a physical brand of Trojan football, something that's been lacking uh, for quite some time, but focusing on this year, I understand we have depleted resources. We have the folks that are injured. We have folks that are in, in concussive protocol and, and, and related. I get all that. You know what? <clears throat> we still have to show up. Guys are going to suit up and go out and play. And this uh, Saturday night is a big game. This is, uh, it, to me, it's, it, the team can break either left or right, good or bad, because everything, this is the most balanced football team that we're going to see for the uh, remainder of the regular season by far. They are very good. They are playing their best football in years. And we're hitting them in Tempe at night, which is just not a great uh, background at, for USC in Tempe uh, at night. We just, we have not performed well there as a general rule. Therefore, it's up to us to, to very uh, specifically and very uh, targetedly get after the things that need to change uh, on defense. And, you know, some of the, um, <clears throat> some of that improvement comes with, we're using the term physicality. I'll just say it straight up, toughness. 
we do not demonstrate toughness on the football field right now, and we have to do that. And is that something that can be coached? Yeah, it is. It's coached by uh, delivering the right level of expectations for the players of what is acceptable um, with physicality slash intensity, which I would put an equal sign and say that also is the will to win. You put those things together, that's what a defense has to bring first and foremost. Then comes technique. Then comes assignment and scheme and nuances. But without those fundamentals, <clears throat> the defense will not perform well. So this Saturday we have an opportunity to bring a will to win to the field and demonstrate that USC football is still USC football and get it done. And really there's no mincing words here. This is just straightforward. This is how you do it, guys. So here's your opportunity. I, I thought there was a very interesting quote from Cameron Smith after practice yesterday. Someone asked him about uh, what, what are the coaches doing to motivate you guys. And, and Cameron said, I believe in self-motivation. If you're not ready to come out here and play at a high level, then I don't know what you're doing out here. He's right. Um, however, the problem with self-motivation is everybody's got a different level of self-motivation. No what doubt. would be helpful. Yeah, no doubt is right. <clears throat> so for if we had 11 Cam Smiths, we'd be fine. <laughs> we'd, be, we'd be fine. We'd be, actually, we would be fine, by the way. I think he's, he's, he's marvelous and has all the right tools and, and the mindset and, and et cetera. <clears throat> what we don't know is everybody else. Therefore, guys like Cam have to make sure that the, the baseline <clears throat> of people's focus and intensity and uh, commitment and will to win is at or above the expectation level set by in this case, it sounds like that by the players. I don't know what the coaching staff has established as expectations. I, I, I just honestly, I don't know. But what I do know is a guy like Cam Smith, I believe that he knows what it takes to win and to get the rest of the, the folks around him to perform at his level uh, is a challenge, but it's something that can be done. I can recall as a captain on defense throwing a guy off the field, my guy, by the way, off the field because the performance level wasn't to, uh, to, to specification and <clears throat> that had nothing to do with motivation or intensity. It had to do with assignment uh, lapses. And I'm not suggesting that's a really great, you know, uh, technique to use all the time, but occasionally you just have to do something. Occasionally and, that uh, works. <laughs> and occasionally it works. And, you know, the guy came back later and we got it going on and, and made some great plays. By the way, had a wonderful NFL career with an All-American a couple of years later, so all is forgiven. But the point is that the leadership, the upperclassmen leadership of the defense, and I'd say for the team, uh, really has to step it up and demand that everybody starts to produce. Let's talk about a couple uh, specific areas, Kevin. We've, As has been the case for this team this year, we, we have some injury issues right now to talk about. I want to talk first back in the secondary. It's looking more likely that Big E. Marshall uh, will not play, and so we are going to see Isaiah Langley in that role. Give us your thoughts on some of the tweaks we might see there. Yeah, you know, with uh, with Isaiah, his technique is very different than Biggie's, and uh you know, there's some good to that, and there's some some downside. I think Biggie was very good on run support and tackling and those kinds of areas. He, he brought a lot to the party in that regard. With regards to pass coverage, um, you know, Langley's, while more of an unknown quantity, his technique is very much uh, assignment-based. Uh, when told to take away the inside move, he takes it away. He does telegraph it a little bit, 
but that's okay because uh, the go the go route the go route. Biggie may not telegraph it, but it's going to be open. Any, it's it, it, he's going to be challenged in that regard. Well, with Langley, it's like it's like all right, same thing. He's got a little bit more closing speed, a little less uh, physicality, if you will, or physical presence. Um, but uh, from a technique perspective, that's fine. Um, you know, as he he's going to get double moved, um, and it's going to be open. All right, it's just a question of recovery. He's mindful of it. He might have to give a little ground uh, on the press cover. He might have to back it up a little bit. Um, you know, so as to not get handsy and grabsy, like you know, uh, frankly, Biggie has a tendency to, to do that. Um, but those technique changes uh, and how he applies it uh, to the situation is, is great on the one-on-one um, challenges. Now, look, if they run a, you know, a flood set, uh, uh, you know, doubles or even trips uh, to that side of the field, you got a different game. But you got a safety now, uh, one or two safeties, frankly, down uh, the secondary coverage coming over to help. So I think that'll provide a little bit of uh, a comfort to Isaiah. It's the isolation plays when it's one-on-one. Whether it's press, man, uh, zone back, whatever the the calls are, um, it, it ultimately it's it's going to be a, it's it's man on man, it's one it's a, it's a it's one one person on one person coverage. However, the the various scheme is, and I, I think you know frankly he'll do well. Um, look, there'll be a couple passes, a few passes completed in his area. Um, his role is to keep it in front, not behind. Okay, and then uh, not sure at this point. We're recording this Thursday afternoon, and there has been no update since practice yesterday. Christian Rector left with a hand injury. Let's assume that if if he is not available, Porter Gustin not available uh, as of right now. He's going to try to go today. But the person that we see moving down there yesterday was Jordan Neosefa. If Jordan Neosefa is in that outside linebacker role, he has primarily been an inside linebacker to this point. What do you see right there? Yeah, those are very different positions, uh, honestly. Um, uh, basically, a will linebacker compared to Mike linebacker are very different, by the way, let alone uh, going from uh, will to uh, an outside linebacker position as currently defined. Um, and then replacing a guy like Rector, who's more of a true defensive end than linebacker, or a Porter Gustin, who's more like your classic outside linebacker slash defensive end. You, you now got Iosefa, who's more of an inside linebacker, playing outside, and the techniques, I'm telling you, are very different. Um, now, the good news is uh, uh, for USF, but when playing on the outside like that, um, you, you, you look inside, right? You're, you're, all the ball, all the movement's going to be inside. you got to take your read. The challenge is containment. The challenge is not getting, creating a running lane between you and the defensive lineman inside of you, whatever that is, whatever that technique is. And then, uh, you know, providing the, uh, the pressure on the quarterback for a guy that uh, that's not really been in stock and trade. Um, I, I'd like to see uh, Jordan out there. I think he's, frankly, a very gifted and tough-minded football player. And anybody who's a tough-minded football player, I don't mind having it on the field somewhere. Um, but I will just tell you, technique-wise and assignment-wise, they are very different. 